This is the We Are Memphis Wrestling Podcast with your host, J.D. Rieger. Hey everybody, welcome to episode one of We Are Memphis Wrestling, the free podcast from Memphis Wrestling Plus, a new service which my guest Dustin Starr is going to help me tell you all about. For right now, if you'd like more information on Memphis Wrestling Plus, visit memphiswrestlingplus.com. That's memphiswrestlingplus.com. Before we get started, I'd like to give a special episode one shout out to our ring announcer, Terrence Ward, and to the band Glory, who provided the song High Rise as our theme. Thanks, fellas. Now let's get right into it. Dustin Starr, thanks for joining me as the first ever guest on the We Are Memphis Wrestling podcast. Oh, yeah. We are Memphis Wrestling, and it's about time that we have a Memphis Wrestling podcast. Well, you kind of, you do already. We do. We totally do. You have multiple podcasts, really, but this is going to be a different kind of thing than what you're already doing. Right. That's, I was about to say the same thing. The Rolling Into Mempho podcast will give you the hits and MVPs and review and all that episode kind of stuff. Episode recaps. Yeah, 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 episode recap, you know, the, the good stuff there. And this will be the stuff that you probably shouldn't hear. Right? Yeah, the behind the scenes, the probing interviews. Yeah, I haven't seen the questions yet, but I can only imagine. Well, I, I don't like to show my guests the questions <laughs> when I can avoid it. <laughs> so I, I know you've probably told the story a bunch of times, but for the sake of those just getting into it, Here just we go. just doing it for the first time. Ugh. I'm kidding. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. No, tell tell us tell us why you founded Memphis Wrestling. Because I grew up in Memphis, I went to Mid-South Coliseum, we went to Channel 5 Studio, my family were really big supporters, especially of Monday Night Mid-South Coliseum Wrestling, so I always had a love for it. Of course, that's all I wanted to do when I grew up, it did not matter. Yeah, football was cool and all, but you know what, they don't jump off the top rope with an elbow drop in football. You know, so I always wanted to be a, to be a wrestler, and that's kind of where it started. I started training when I was 15. Um, wrestled all over the place, as many places as I could. I wrestled Jerry Lawler, Bill Dundee at a really early age on Memphis TV. I thought, wow, this is, this is really something. And then you made it. Yeah, I made it. That was it. When, when I was growing up and I was cutting promos in the mirror, you know, they say cut promos in the mirror, get better at it. I was cutting promos to Lance Russell and Dave Brown, not WWE, not WCW or anything like that. It was all about Memphis wrestling. And then that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to train to be a wrestler. I wanted to headline WrestleMania. And, um, but, but never did I think that I would be promoting or running a wrestling company. And so all that's kind of strange, but wrestling is what brought me there. Yeah. Well, that's what I was sort of getting at. I guess, when did you decide that you wanted to own your own company? Man, that's difficult. Um, so when Maria and myself signed with CW30 to be the CW30 stars. Your wife, Maria. Mm-hmm, my wife, Maria. And so we were a tag team. We basically hosted the network. If there were any ins and outs or uh, season premieres, things like that, we did all that stuff. But in that meeting, the general manager looked across after everything was done and said, hey, let me ask you a question. Sure. Why is there not wrestling on in Memphis? I said, well, you're the TV guy. You tell me. And he shook his head and he said, no, you're the wrestling guy. You tell me. And I said, oh, okay. And I, I, you know, and then at that point, my eyebrows raised a little bit. I was like, oh, wow, we got, we have an opportunity here. Um, And interestingly enough, off of social media, Facebook is how I met David Marquez, who has championship wrestling from Hollywood. 
and they've had 500 episodes, been in business 10 years. They were working with guys like Cody and Peter Avalon and, oh gosh, the list goes on and on of young bucks of the stars that went through championship wrestling from Hollywood. So I didn't really pay that much attention to it because I didn't really want to run my own wrestling company, I guess. But then he, he kept on and, and we figured it out. We syndicated the championship wrestling from Hollywood show. It was something easy for me and Maria to host to own the LLC and then also to bring in a little bit of local content with it just just to prove the concept that people will still watch wrestling in Memphis. There was an idea of flipping that to be Memphis wrestling, but not at first. It was just kind of like, wow, all right, I've got a, a, a job in wrestling because that's what I wanted to do is be a full-time wrestler. And so um, at that point, it, it kind of transitioned a little bit further just based off of the success of the show and brainstorming and then a pandemic and all that kind of stuff. And actually when the pandemic happened, that's when we really started thinking of launching, believe it or not. Most people were turning away from doing new stuff and we were like, Hey, when do we launch this? Yeah. I guess that, that would have been right about when you started doing the syndicated show. Yeah. Uh, well, so the 100th episode of the syndicated program, uh, was Memphis wrestling. So we did 99 of the championship wrestling presented by car shield. And then we're almost on episode 100 of Memphis Wrestling Now. So we actually flipped the product to be local on episode 100. So technically speaking, we've had almost 200 episodes in that same time slot on CW30 over the years. And I think that's when I spoke to you the first time on my other podcast, Back to the Light, was right when you were in the process of flipping. And you, I were, think so. you were running shows. You hadn't done the Wrestle Center yet. You, uh, you were in the, the Ballroom Center. There was so much pressure to do a show. Right. So we did a Halloween show in the parking lot of where the Hero Empowerment Center is going to go for Heal the Hood Foundation. It's out uh, near the Hickory Ridge Mall in the same parking lot as top of the line event, event center where we did our TV taping. So we did. It was basically drive in wrestling. You can come up and pull up and watch from your car. Or at that time, people could get out of their car and use their lawn chairs and things oh, like wow. that. How many people actually drove in and stayed in their cars for wrestling? Not matches? many. We found out pretty quick that wrestling fans, you know, they might be concerned about COVID at that time, but they didn't care. Hmm. It's kind of like Mississippi. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, I certainly get a sense of that. Wrestling was the first national sport back, you know, before anybody. Yeah, so. they, hey, they were a, uh, what, an essential business. Indeed. In Florida, so WWE could keep running their shows. So, yeah, I mean, um, it, was, it was kind of a double-edged sword, too, because you have to do what's right, you know, just because you can have an event sometimes doesn't mean that you should. So we had a very limited amount of tickets, but we sold those tickets on those first shows so fast, like within a day. So that's how we started looking for the Wrestle Center. So I'm not sure if I'm jumping around here, but we did the, the parking lot wrestling, which was a drive-through wrestling event. It was a bit of a fundraiser. Um, then we did strike a deal with Top of the Line Banquet Hall to where they do weddings and things like that inside. They have marble floors and some chandeliers and stuff. Of course, some ceiling tiles that we knocked down, scratched some floors and stuff like that. We knew we wouldn't be there long because there are two things. Number one, it wasn't necessarily the look that we wanted permanently, obviously. Sure. But then two, we knew that we were just going to be too much wear and tear on the building. And yeah, so, yeah, and the top yeah. rope rule couldn't last oh my forever. Gosh, we have so many guys that are so good off the top rope. Yeah, what was uh, Zay Washington gonna do? Nothing. <laughs> there was nothing. Hey, Dustin, can we take a couple of ceiling tiles out so I can do my 450 splash? So, 
I will never forget when they knocked a ceiling tile out. I don't know if I saw that. Is that in an episode? It is in an episode, and literally, I'll have to look that up. I'm looking for the owner. I'm I'm looking through the crowd, looking for the owner, because I know there's somebody staring at me. Like, but luckily they enjoyed it. They thought it was funny. We replaced the tile, and it was all good. Sure. Well, what I kind of have in, have in mind for us to go through here is how Memphis wrestling has grown since that first conversation we had. And the first thing I wanted to touch on was the founding of the wrestle center itself early on. Obviously you had to know you needed your own space. Oh yeah. Would you say that it really started to started to take off once you founded the wrestle center? Absolutely. Um, we sold the, the first, the first show we were allowed 75 tickets. We sold them all the first day. So we went ahead and put the second show on sale. We sold all those the next day. So then immediately it's like, okay, so there is some sort of demand. And I know that some people will listen to the podcast and say, oh, 75 tickets is nothing. If all you got 75 tickets, you sold them out, baby. And so we sold them out, um, what we were allowed to. So I made some phone calls. I was searching for a facility to do. I, I knew immediately we had to have our own place. If you're going to do a training center and you're going to go all in and you're going to be able to do whatever you want, whenever you want, shoot what you want, when you want, the whole nine yards. You got to have your own place. Got to have your own ring. Got to have your own insurance. You got to have all that stuff, right? And so uh, when I didn't really find what I wanted or didn't get calls back and things like that, I got in the car and drove around. I am not kidding. I got in my car and I literally drove around and pulled into parking lots and made phone calls off the signs that were in the yard. Yeah, and I did a similar thing with John Michael when 96X was looking for a yeah, spot. We just drove around. That's it. I still couldn't get that many callbacks. And so the the actual place that we're at now, 3296 Winbrook Drive, I pulled up. I looked at and I was just kind of thinking, hmm, maybe we can take a look in there. I called the number and it was Miss Gale that answered. And I said, Miss Gale, it's Dustin Starr. I've got a problem. I said, what's that? I said, I'm looking for a facility to have my business in, but nobody will call me back. And she said, hold on two minutes. I promise you I'll have somebody call you back and they'll show you around. Literally, guy called probably less than two minutes later, uh, met me at the facility, had my contractor there. We walked in and uh, immediately we were both seeing the same thing. And that's just kind of where it all started. We had a very tight deadline because we had already launched. So we probably had... I want to guess maybe six shows in the can and we had this building that has 6,000 square feet and nothing done to it yet. So we literally had to turn that around pretty fast within a month in order to get everything. And I'm talking equipment, paint, stage, seating. Yeah. You've built you risers. You have built a concession booth. You have, you have made, uh, you know, essentially, uh, you know, a bona fide venue out of what yeah. was just a, an empty warehouse space. And it's taken us, I mean, we're working on our second year now, right? So we're coming up on our second year. So it's taken us just a little bit of time to do it, but anybody that opens up a business, especially there's another thing that that's, might be a misconception and this might not matter to people, but there's no major loans or, debt or anything like that on the business. So I had the commercial appeal ask me, is so that you, a rumor that there, that there well, is, I, I, I'm not sure. I know that the commercial appeal had asked me, so you sank your life savings into this. Oh, okay. Which is kind of a That's weird kind of way a, to put that it. That is a totally weird, you question. know, like sink. First of all, I'm not sinking anything, but I, I actually, it hit me when he asked that, that people probably think that was me and this? Maria, Let's shame this, this journalist. By do you want me to tell him? It was a great interview. It was great. I love him. Uh, but when he asked that, it hit me. It was like, Oh wow. 
people think that we literally bet like WrestleMania, like Vince and Linda. We put it all yeah, on yeah. the line. If this doesn't work, we're going to be living in a box or, you know, or something like that. That's not really how it happened. You know, it was growing the business <laughs> from the syndicated standpoint and then reinvesting into what we were going to launch. Now, what we reinvested, we would have would have lost it if it had tanked. But then the proof of concept, we've done all the work already. And we knew at that point that it had to work unless we did something wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So all the data and analytics were there. The audience was there. And I think that's why we're doing better than some of the others thought that we would ever do is because they don't realize that we had 100 episodes before we started this next 100 episodes. And that's audience building. Sure. Plus, plus Grizzlies, Redbirds. Maria is extremely popular in whatever she does. She's beautiful, obviously. So um, I just think that the fan base and everything um, saw what we were doing, saw the hard work, especially now. If you've come to the Wrestle Center or heaven forbid you're at top of the line and you come to the Wrestle Center now, you're like, wow, wait a minute. What are you guys doing here? You know, I, I just I think that's cool. But yeah, I mean, even I have only been coming to the Wrestle Center for like, geez, what is it? maybe almost six months or something. I mean, even I've seen the improvements, you know, it's almost night and day. I mean, it looks, yeah. you know, that concession booth is, is legit. Chavo Guerrero, Marty, some of the folks from young rock come in from one shoot to the next or one rehearsal to the next. Like, wait a minute. What did, did you just do that? And they're Marty Elias referee, Marty Elias. Yeah. Marty say, Elias. Full name. Re uh, reft, uh, the greatest match in WrestleMania history, Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, WrestleMania 25. If there if there's a match that's better than that, it's WrestleMania six, Hogan versus Warrior, the ultimate oh challenge. I, I mean, that's great for as a spectacle, but that's not a great wrestling's a spectacle, bro. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm with you, but you know, it just depends on like when when people get into parsing like what is the greatest match of all time. It just depends on what you mean because it it's all know. flavors of ice cream. Totally, M my flavor of ice cream growing up was like I said, uh, Memphis wrestling. But when I saw WrestleMania six. See, I liked the ultimate warrior as a kid too, but when I watch it now, I'm like, Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. But back then, man, uh, it was like my dad saying Hulk Hogan's going to Hulk up and he's going to beat, beat warrior. No way. It's not going to happen. <laughs> and when the warrior won, I'm like, yeah, now, in your face. I did love that part of it too, because I was never a front runner. Uh, I never loved Hogan and I never, I, I don't know if I should even say this, but I never loved Lawler either. I always liked, you can say that. I liked Jeff Jarrett better. <laughs> So like the strut. I, I was always a Jeff Jarrett guy because uh, he was a good guy in Memphis wrestling before he ever did any of that, you know, J-E-double-F stuff. Yeah, totally. I'm with you. Um, yeah, but uh, that match, the WrestleMania six, not that I didn't already want to be a wrestler, but when I saw that's that, that's what did it for that you? was it. It was like, that's what I want to do right there. Hmm. So getting back to the Wrestle Center, not only has the Wrestle Center improved the TV product, but it's also served as a home base for your training center. And you have cranked out. I mean, your roster is now growing because of the talent you have developed in the Wrestle Center. Right. And we're extremely fortunate to have just fantastic trainers. Alan Steele's the head coach. Derek King's our coach there. King Cobra's our legend. He's our captain of the Wrestle Center. And then, of course, myself. They work with me a lot more you know, when it gets to the creative part and television and theatrics and things like that. But also the students, we were talking before we got on air, we've had some students not even ever watch our television show or show up and tour the Wrestle Center and send a deposit to come wrestle. And they just show up. They'll show up on that Monday or that Wednesday. Hey, my name is so-and-so. 
I sent the deposit, blah, 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 blah. And you're, and to me, it, it kind of blows me away. Like you live in Memphis, but you didn't come to her before you just sent that. So that shows yeah. a lot of trust there, but then also they've been so good. They have been so good that I never would have thought that we would have trainees being stars on our television show within the first year. I was about to say a couple of the people you've got in the system are way too good for how short a time they've been doing it. My first and matches. I, I mean, not that I'm a great judge of that. I haven't been in the business well, as long as you fan. have. But if yeah. you like it, that's all that matters is but the wrestling fan. I would think it would take someone longer to be as good as like, say, Tim Bosby is. Man, Tim Bosby, I met when he was eight years old. Um, his mom, Miss Terry, hired me to come to his birthday party. It was me and Coco Beware, the Birdman, uh, who he is a close, good uh, family friend of the Bosbys. So um, I met him early on, and they told me then he wants to wrestle. And, of course, you know, I put it down on my calendar so it would be notify me when he turned 18 years old. <laughs> no, I'm totally kidding. Um, but but uh, Miss Bosby, she works at FedEx Forum. I see her all the time. And we would always stay in touch. And so as soon as he turned 18, being Tim, he came and he signed up. And from that point on, from the first time he stepped foot in the ring, Again, you might, guys might call me crazy, but I remember Jason Jordan coming into the Performance Center FCW at the time in Tampa and uh, just rolling around and bumping and just them showing, you know, he had no experience, just amateur wrestler showing what he had. But he's the only other person that I've seen pick it up so fast, faster than Bosby. And well, that's. Well, he had it in, in, in the jeans. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Kurt Angle. I mean, I, I would like to say that Tim reminds me of Kurt, but I know that's just like such a far-fetched thing because I mean, Kurt's it's an, such it's a, a legend. But it's an easy comparison because he's an amateur wrestler and he wears the singlet. singlet. So like, that's yeah. what I don't want. I, I mean, that's a good comparison and all, but I'm talking about just the athleticism of how you move in the ring, how you roll, how you flip, how you bump, and all that stuff. The guy Tim had it right off the jump. Now yeah. he's internet champion. He won Rookie of the Year. He's been on NBC Young Rock, and there's even bigger things happening later this week with Tim Bosby that we can talk about if you want to. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, but by the time this is out, really, it will have already happened. Yeah, lots of really cool stuff. So in his first year, he he he's going to SmackDown. He's that's, booked on SmackDown as an great. extra. 18 years old, less than one year in the business, and uh, Bosby has 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 reached that that point. Yeah, we saw, and, and while we're talking about that, uh, this week also saw Ryan Rembrandt and Mr. Chris. Yes. And who else was on Raw? Those were the two that we had from Raw. There okay. were a couple of others that, um, that were booked but weren't able to make it because of either some sort of uh, blood work or vaccinations or something like that. Well, so travel's a beast right now. Yeah, WWE has really had to tighten all that stuff up, man. It's like blood work, vaccinations. Yeah, yeah. Well, they were having physicals. all those breakouts at, at when they first came back, and I'm sure that... You know, Roman Reigns is like hyper paranoid about that stuff. Yeah, I wouldn't blame him too. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, so there's definitely some um, some different protocol from when I was doing extra work and stuff. But sure. uh, we have quite a few of our our roster not only appearing on NBC but getting booked in opportunities with WWE. Yeah, that's great. How do you how do you make those deals happen? Is it just because you have connections to the business? You had a WWE deal yourself at one time. I think so. Um, I mean, I don't want to like, that's certainly a, a cool thing to be able to say to trainees that, you know, if you work with us, you, you might, yeah. get, you might get to work with 
one of the big boys. That's one true. Day. Now, when we very first started, you know, there, those those opportunities could be there or might be there, and so you feel like you probably shouldn't say them because you don't want to dangle the carrot that might not be there. Who knows? Right. But but now at this point, it's it's legit. It's a shoot. Our staff is working on NBC. Even today, we had rehearsals at the Wrestle Center. Yeah. Today, we were setting up rings at Graceland today. I saw the picture of you in the chair with the, the director's chair. With yeah, yeah. Rock I'm logo. directing Young Rock. No, I was just trying to look cool in that picture. But yeah. um, there's been so many things that have happened through the last six months that we haven't even shared just yet. So this We Are Memphis Wrestling podcast is going to help get, get all that out. Yeah, I can't wait uh, to to be a part of that. And we'll, and we'll talk about that more in a second. But... I want to keep getting into the to the trainees because you know in addition to Tim, I mean McKenzie is really really good. Yep. You know Big John is good and I think someone who you haven't even put on TV yet, I think Victoria is going to be really good once she gets out there. I think so too. I think um some of them hate when I say this, but somebody like Victoria might be even more valuable outside of the ring than she is even inside of the ring. She's extremely intelligent, she's a hard worker. She can put up a wrestling ring all by herself. That's you know what my first ever time to the wrestle center was a training and my impression of Victoria was that not that she was a trainee because you know, not only because the way she did her back bumps were like really, really like methodical, oh, yeah. and, you know, tighter than some of the other trainees, but she just, you know, she carried, she carried an air about her that she might've been, I thought she might've been a trainer, not a trainee. And then I found out that the opposite was true and was kind of a little bit surprised. I think there's a confidence when it comes to the business, especially with Memphis wrestling, is instilling the confidence in that person to do what it is that they do to the best of their ability and that we trust them to do it. So there was a time I've had discussions with Gun Show. I've had discussions with Mike Anthony, Big Swole. Victoria's one that I had had a discussion with where I told her, I was like, this is your house. You, you live here. There's nobody that can come in here and tell you how to do something here because this is yours. So, and what I mean by that is if, especially her being a female, especially in a a male dominated sport, and I'm using air quotes here. So if some man or whoever tries to come in and tell her, no, the ring skirt doesn't go like that. It goes like this. No, 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 no. This is your ring skirt. It does go like that because that's how you do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Oh. I mean, it, even though you get to the place the same way, it might be just like recording a podcast, except for you're going to do this before you do that, and this other person might do No, no, this is your house. Well, that's also how you instill a team atmosphere is when you allow contributors ownership of the parts that they yes. do. Yes, leader. She's yeah. a leader. Totally. So, yeah, she's, I mean, her value, uh, her being in the ring, she's going to be the strongest woman on the women's women's roster no doubt anyways just with her lifting ability and all that but but then behind the scenes she's extremely sharp so victoria's she's great for a bunch of different reasons mackenzie morgan is such a diehard wrestling fan that she will go into tears talking about oh Sasha i've been Banks there or bailey <laughs> or something and yeah. you know it's it's kind of something that you that mean a lot mercedes of people, monet yeah <laughs> it it might be something that that some people might think is silly because it's it's wrestling but it's not it's the same passion that you have for anything else in the world that you love and that you want to do and for somebody like Mackenzie Morgan to come right in an athlete out of high school going to college just uh, recovered from a knee injury at that came and talked to me with a leg brace on her leg and I thought we'll see if she comes back couldn't wait to get there trains harder than anybody she's fantastic she did great in the ring and then also she's got some big opportunities coming up on the smackdown as well i was i was about to say if i was gonna 
bet on one of the trainees to someday ascend to a higher level in wrestling, a one of the majors, AEW, WWE, I'd be hard pressed not to put money on McKenzie as my horse. Yeah. If you look at uh, Bailey's history of growing up in the business and all the pictures that she had with her favorite wrestlers and I'm trying to think of some of the others that we've seen, the highlight reels where they're taking pictures with their, their favorite wrestlers growing up. That's McKenzie. Yeah. That's Mackenzie Morgan. She has pictures of her and her dad at Raw with the signs or just all sorts of stuff that, that plays perfectly into the story that you tell in, in wrestling. And, man, she is really good in the ring. People love her. Oh, she is great. Some of her matches that uh, – one of the matches, in fact, that she had, maybe it was at Dave & Buster's with Nix. That, that, yeah. that was a banger. Her and Nix are very good friends. I love to see them in the ring. It's hard to get them in the ring against each other, though, because they're such good friends. Uh, Nick, Nick's is fantastic. She, she's come and trained a little bit with us, but she was trained prior. So we've worked a little bit with her. She's great. You mentioned big John Dalton kid is 16 years old and it already outdraws the rest of the roster Gosh, and getting opportunities. <laughs> and look, it's, it's not he bring, that he brings them out. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not that I owe his family money or, you know, that they're not blackmailing me or anything. And that's why he's on the show. It's that the kid is popular and he's been put in some very unique situations to where he got beat by Mike Anthony, the Memphis. This guy well, had he a pinned Mike Anthony, he pinned Mike, but then had a heritage championship match at 16 years old. And he did get slammed through a table. So I don't know when the next time we'll see Off of Big, the John, ring. Big John Dalton again, but yeah. But I, I look at him like we haven't even literally scratched the surface yet. He's got three to five years before anything really, you know, serious happens. But in those three to five years, we're already planting seeds to where when he is of age, then he has a lot of history already with Memphis wrestling. When do, when do you think performers hit their prime in wrestling? Man, man, that's I probably, a little bit of an aside. It is. I, I think that I did not become the performer I wanted to be until probably 27. Yeah. And I mean, because I had, I, I, I'm a body guy. I like to, I like the guys with the muscles. So I wanted to have muscles. I wanted to be tan. I wanted to have a really pretty woman with me, like Ric Flair, or Shawn Michaels, or something. Macho man. Macho man. Exactly. Macho man. So when I started when I was 15, I was 140 pounds. There's no way anybody's going to take me serious at 15. And I look at Big John Dalton and tell him that too like, hey, man, you're still a kid. But yeah, Big John Dalton's definitely going to grow up. Uh, it reminds me of like Zaire Williams with the Grizzlies. He grew two inches since they drafted him. Totally. Gosh, how much bigger or taller is Big John Dalton going to get between now and 18 years old? He's got two years. Or by the time he's 20 or 21. So, you know, and we've just picked out a couple of the uh, the trainees, but we've got some, some other trainees that have been there a little while. We've got some trainees that are brand new, and you're going to start seeing more and more of them on, on Memphis Wrestling. And that's a really cool thing because everybody wants to be on the television show. And there is a spot, whether you're a wrestler or not, there's a spot for everybody in wrestling. And so it's just finding those people, those spots. Yeah, amen to that. It's, it's making it very competitive, too, and it's a friendly competition. So when, when there's opportunities for Monday Night Raw and you have 20 trainees and six of them get to go, then the other 14 might be like, hey, man, how, why am I not there? Yeah. And so there's a little bit of friendly competition. So I have to tell them, hey, look. If you have that feeling in your stomach, that's good. That means you want it. So that means support your friends and then work harder to get it. Um, but, yeah, the sky is the limit for them. Well, I want to shift gears, and I want to get, I want to get through another couple of these bullet points on my list here because I want to talk about 
the kinds of shows that you're promoting, you don't just run shows at the Wrestle Center. No, we we run TV at the Wrestle Center. Well, but I'm saying you you run at fairs. You oh work, yeah, yeah. You work at venues. You do watch parties at, at places. It doesn't just exist at the at the Wrestle Center. No, no, no. It's it's um, gosh, FedEx Forum, Lander Center, uh, Tennessee State Fair, Jackson State Fair. You know, whatever. I mean, we're we're at the fairs. We're at the zoo. Um, you're going to see us coming up uh, with the University of Memphis Tigers this year. You'll see some of us with the uh, Memphis Grizzlies wrestling night that's coming up as well. Gosh, I mean, heck, there's no heck telling. Heck, will be at MUS next week. Yes, Memphis University School. Man, that's going to be a really cool one. That's one match. You yeah. know, at Zoo Rendezvous last year, their biggest fundraiser for the Memphis Zoo, I think we had two matches. So it might not be a full-fledged card of Memphis wrestling, but it's definitely like a specialty. I, I look at it like they book us kind of like a band. And you're you're in a band. You know several bands. You have your own label and all that stuff. You know how that is, where you, you know, you have a time to fill. All right, let's do two matches here instead of having, you know, a set or whatever. Yeah, totally. I think that separates us from the others too, um, and and I think that's with the relationship with the Grizzlies or the Redbirds or whatever, and being an MC there. So when wrestling comes up. Nine times out of ten, they'll say, hey, Dustin, what do you know about this? Well, if they have an in-house expert yeah. on the subject, they're going to at least ask. I'm just fortunate that they do look at me like an in-house expert. <laughs> well, how important <laughs> is it to you for the growth of the company to be engaged in the community like like that? Showing up at, you know, Grizzlies games, the zoo, the fair, all those places where people can be introduced to the product, you know, without, you know, knowing that it... It, you know, that it's on TV or knowing about the YouTube or whatever. It is extremely important. It's extremely important because you have to be honest with yourself. Uh, like at the zoo, I got with the crew and said, hey, look, they're not going to know who we are. Let's be honest. And when we, when we launched the TV show, I had to assume that they didn't know who I was. They didn't know who Derek or Alan, all the guys that have been on TV for many, many years. And I've been on TV, you know, at least twice a day, every day for the last... I don't know, however long I've been working for CW30, over five years or whatnot. And I still had to assume that they don't know who I am. So let's introduce them to all these characters and let's build our own characters and, and, and stuff like that. So I think some people, especially wrestlers, you know, they kind of take that the wrong way. Like, oh, well, they know who I am. We have to assume they don't so we can tell these stories and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Did I answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Just making sure. And, and you're also not just on TV on CW30, to be clear. You are regionally distributed. Do you see yourself wanting to not only be on TV outside of the Memphis region, but run shows? And I mean, you said you're on right now in Jonesboro. You're on in Cookville. That's pretty far away. Yeah, that's almost Knoxville. Could you see yourself running shows in those places? Yeah. I mean, that's the only reason you have TV out there is so you can somehow make money. Um, uh, so there's a couple ways you can sell commercial ads in that space. Uh, the problem there is that I'm not in Knoxville. Yeah. I'm not in Jonesboro and I know Jonesboro is not that far, but if you're not in that city, it's really hard to be beating the streets and doing all that kind of stuff. But running shows is a little different because you have sponsors, you have fundraisers, um, you have fans uh, that are business owners that say, Hey, wait a minute. Can we bring you guys out here? So eventually we, we, we might get out there. Um, I think Nashville looks like a really good television market at this point for us because I mean, historically there's it, nothing it's, there. There's a connection, you know, Memphis and yeah. Nashville wrestling were, were the same for many, many years. And there's not, 
and, and somebody from Nashville is going to get hot that I said there's nothing there. Oh, yeah. There's not that. It's not like it used to be with wrestling on television locally in Nashville and all that stuff. Burt Prentice has passed away, so there's not anybody spearheading all that kind of stuff. And uh, we're on television in the Jackson, Tennessee market on WBBJ, CBS Jackson. They love us there. So I can see that it would just be an easy transition to get TV in Nashville. So I would, I would imagine if, I don't know when this is going to drop, but we might have television before it drops. Or I don't know, it could come at any point. But uh, definitely, like Nashville, that would be easy. You would think if they, you know, if there's the person at the station doesn't have an anti-Memphis bias for whatever reason. Well, as long as they're not an anti-Dustin star, then we should be fine. Yeah. <laughs> but there will be more television markets coming. Like I, I would expect that at some point, Little Rock. Uh, we were looking at Little Rock real Jackson, real Mississippi seems obvious. Jackson, Mississippi. I'll tell you, I'll just... Oxford. Since we're talking about stuff we don't typically talk about on sure. this podcast, um, wow, Women of Wrestling kind of... Uh, hampered us just a little bit on a couple of stations because they were nationally syndicated. So for instance, when a television show is nationally syndicated on the CW, they go on all the CW stations. So it could be very easy, like, like Little Rock, for instance, said that we have to, we've syndicated women of wrestling. Wow. So we can't have another wrestling program. Whereas CW. Well, whose rule is that? Theirs? Well, that's just their, yeah. uh, maybe timing or whatever. But, but for instance, in Memphis, they saw it as an opportunity to have a time block kind of like when they do Steve Wilkos back-to-back with Jerry Springer or three court shows back-to-back-to-back. Sure. That's what they do. Um, uh, what, what was the term that they called it? Um, oh, gosh. Probably some icky industry. It's term. some sort of weird industry thing, but it's, it's basically like two of the same. So if they watch the first one, they'll watch the second one. So you're basically partnering up with a show. Right, right. So CW30 in Memphis decided to do that. So they have a block of wrestling, whereas the CW in Little Rock was like, ah, one's enough. Yeah. But WOW doesn't, they're not like 52 weeks a year either. You know what I mean? Hmm. It's, it's a different type of show. Yeah, that's the, uh, you were telling me that's the Genie Bus yes. wrestling company. That's interesting that you're... Looks really cool, man. I, I'll tell you, if there's a look that the Wrestle Center could get, not exactly that, there's too many laser lights and things like that going on. Uh, I like the old school kind of feel, but uh, they definitely have a really good production value. I would think you would be eventually, if you were going to grow the Wrestle Center, that you'd be modeling impact studios or maybe like an aew dark sort of a vibe like those studio productions of that but the desk needs to be front and center i think that's what we have that nobody else has even monday yeah. night raw they don't have the desk there's not a live promo that happens at the desk where things get crazy um nwa did the podium for some reason i'm not that big of a fan of the podium and i love nwa uh i just i just feel like the traffic and the drama that comes through the desk on those interview segments is a staple of what we're doing. Oh, it's certainly a staple of Memphis TV yeah. wrestling, you know, coming over and talking to, you know, Lance, Dave, Corey, whoever. Right. So, yeah, that, I think that's something that we have that nobody else has. But um, if we were to ever change up the look and you'll, you'll see some different changes over the course of 2023 for sure, especially probably with lighting and such. But um, yeah, I like the way that wow looks. I like the way that NWA looks, but I like our desk better. I like that everything comes through the desk. And not just because I'm sitting there, just because that's the classic part of Memphis wrestling. That, that should be your new slogan. Everything comes everything through the desk. Everything comes through the desk. Oh, yeah. Well, when I give the tour, you saw me give the tour. I go to the desk and I say, this is where it all goes down right here. <laughs> They'll start fighting and get right in the ring. Just don't touch the desk. 
Well, before, <laughs> before we move on to our stuff, I think one last thing worth mentioning in the growth of the company is all your relationships with other, you know, you partner uh, or sponsor relationships. You know, you partner with 96X, who I also have a yeah. relationship with, and Kapal Comics and all kinds of different people. Um, how has, how have those, how has your ability to, to grow those relationships changed since you started a TV? I mean, obviously, since the TV show has grown. That's a really good question. I think when we launched the Wrestle Center, Memphis Business Journal put something out with some photos and stuff, and Orion Federal Credit Union, who are big Grizzlies fans that I see at the games. It seems like a new logo goes up in, in the Wrestle Center almost every time. Yeah, they called me right up and said, hey, we saw this in the Business Journal. Let's, we want a tour. So, Come on. So I met them out there, and they walked around. And again, they're not wrestling fans. They're Memphis fans. Yeah. You know, and um, they loved what we were doing and wanted to somehow be a part of it. And so that seems to be the trend with a lot of our partners that we have. You know, Dave and Buster's, we've been doing watch parties for pay-per-views out there for four or five years now. And so every watch party, AEW, it's free. You can go watch, you know, come watch with us. What kind of a turnout do you get for those watch parties? I've been curious to come out to one of those. I might try to make either the Rumble or the next AEW one. Pre-pandemic, we were packing it out. Both sides of the... um, the dining room area, we were packing it out. Yeah, yeah. And I remember the last one we did was when uh, Drew McIntyre eliminated Brock Lesnar in the Royal Rumble. The place went crazy. You would have thought we were there at the at the <laughs> Rumble. But anyways, uh, since then, um, we've been picking it back up. So, I mean, we, we do really well, but we're still gaining steam from the pandemic, believe it or not, just because, not just because of us, but because of the way that the restaurants have to change things. Like, uh, for a long time, you couldn't sit at the bar. Or they had to have only so many seats out, you, not all of the, and I think that fans see that when they come in, but now it's kind of gotten back to normal to where more and more people are coming, especially AEW, because it's just so so popular at this point. Hmm. That's but, interesting. More people come out for AEW than WWE? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's not even close sometimes. That's, that's interesting to I note. Because think I think it's a $60 pay-per-view compared to a five ninety nine Peacock oh, subscription, that, you know? Yeah, yeah. That, I think that might factor yes, in Yes, that makes perfect sense. But yeah, so the the companies, and then Dave and Buster's. Eventually, we got to where we were setting up a ring and doing live matches inside of Dave. Yeah, and that was my that, uh, the last one you did was my first time to a Dave and Buster's. Very actually. cool. But yeah, yeah our, that was a fun show. Our, our partnerships that we, that we have usually stick around too. So that tells me that we're doing something right, or they're liking something that we're doing. And um, there's also several that we've been talking to for quite a while that we're just find, trying to find the right fit or the right time of year. We're going to have to put up a fifth wall in that place to hang a logo. At the Wrestle Center? Yeah. Oh, we'll make some room. <laughs> <laughs> we will make some room. One of my favorite things is the Kapow turnbuckles. Kapow! That is a good one. <laughs> where, is, where is that store? Where is Kapow? It's in Sherwood, Arkansas. Where is that? I, it's I, near Little Rock. Oh, okay. So they do good about bringing in... Um, whether it's uh, somebody from Star Wars or uh, who did they have here recently. Just just different people. The Scooby-Doo voice. The guy that does the Scooby-Doo voice was there. And sure. they'll have people lined up out of the door to meet these folks. They kind of do like a mini Comic Con, but with one major artist or whatever there. Yeah. Similar to what we do at the Wrestle Center with one feature attraction. But um, that, that came from pretty much Kay Toomer. Kay Toomer's out in the Little Rock area. He's a musician. He's a vlogger, videographer, the whole nine yards. The guy is very, very talented. But he has good relationships out where he lives. And they watch him on TV and said, man, how do we get our logo on that wall? And we just started talking about it. That's super cool that a company that far away from Memphis would see the value in advertising 
in a Memphis yeah. product that's not even on their local neighborhood TV. What's crazy too is the number two uh, ticket selling, our number two city for selling tickets is Little Rock. Number <laughs> one's Memphis, number two is Little Rock, and it's two and a half, three hours away. Wow. How many, how many folks, I mean, just I guess on average are coming from out of, from out of town more than a, Oh, from out of town in general. Sure. Oh gosh. Uh, let's, I mean, I would probably be naive to say like 50%, but I mean, if you're talking Mississippi, like Boonville area or Ripley, Tennessee, Dyersburg, you know, all up and down 51. I don't know if you're calling that out of town, you know, Dyersburg's a couple hours away. Ripley, Tennessee, an hour and a half away or so. So that's kind of out of town. So, I mean, it's just, that's where I've wrestled and that's where we've all wrestled for so long. Well, Memphis has a historical regional base of all these little cities in the area. Yes. So you'll have your diehard Memphis fans that will show up and then, and I'm kind of doing it like, like you guys can see my hands, (laughs) but then all the outer smaller towns that have that wrestling, they'll all come. And then that's how we fill up the wrestle center, especially if it's a good feature attraction you know, somebody that they haven't seen in quite a while, or, Hey, what is this guy coming for? Um, Tommy dreamer sold the place out every yeah, single yeah. ticket. That was, that was the most bananas I've ever seen the place. It was crazy. Um, and we've had several really good houses Moose this year. Moose was really good though. Moose was good. Booker yeah. T was probably the best I, ever. I was still in Chicago for that. I bet that was insane. It was, it was great. And I bet the Gresham and, uh, Thunder Rosa, I bet those were pretty good. All those were good. Yeah. We had Mickey uh, James. Nick Aldis versus Jonathan Gresham on the same card with Mickey James there. What? How did that happen? That's like a national pay-per-view level match. Yeah. Now also what I'm learning too is like fight TV, fight plus. We're on Fight Plus. We're behind a paywall there, which is a little bit, a little bit weird because you can watch for free on YouTube, but then you can also get it on your Fight Plus subscription. Well, right, but that's that's part of a larger subscription scheme that includes lots of other yes wrestling promotions. But they're starting to see that we have some major nationally known and worldwide known names that come in. So there's some discussion with Fight TV to where. Uh, there could be a possible partnership of some kind to where they help us with that. Because if we do have a stronger roster, then more people will buy from fight TV to see it. Sure. And then that's when the syndication might change a little bit, especially on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. And there's opportunities out there. That's what I'm saying. And could you see running the equivalent of a pay-per-view or Oh yeah. Premium live event. Oh oh yeah. Premium live event. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I would love to do that in 2023. The thing that I'm trying to, uh, trying to do first is get really good at doing our TV. Yeah. Let's get so sharp at th- doing our TV. I think it's, I mean, not that it wasn't good before, but in the recent episodes since Terrence took over producing, it's, I mean, it's gotten even better. It's gotten, yeah. it's gotten really, really tight. When I'm watching the show now, because I don't edit it, Terrence does when I'm watching the show. But uh, unbelievably, you did for many, many weeks. Uh, While doing all the meetings and the games and all that kind of stuff. So Terrence was a lifesaver. But I could not pass it off to somebody until I knew that they were into it just as much as me. And, and Terrence would, when I send out, I have a, a short list of people that I send the show out to a little bit early to where they can listen for mistakes or look for mistakes, whether it's a commercial or a graphic or, you know, gosh, a terrible camera shot or whatever. And Terrence would always provide some sort of feedback where I'm like, really? And I go back and look, yeah, he's right. Or I do hear that buzzing in there. 
so, so eventually there was a conversation and man, Terrence Ward is the MVP. He is so good. When I watch the show back and I'm just previewing it, I can't believe it's our show. Like I never thought I would have a TV show or a company, but I can't believe that's my, that's the one that I have. And, and Terrence, and it's not just Terrence editing it together makes it really polished and everything. Yeah, yeah. But it's the talent, it's the crew, it's, man, everybody just steps up and does their stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really fun to be around. And, uh, yeah, I hate to, I don't want to talk, you know, ill of uh, the other companies in town, but it's certainly the most polished There's show. other companies in town? Yeah. Well, you when you Shock. show up and you see Shocker. all the, the madness going on, I, I mean, just like the little tidbits that you either overhear or see going on while you're taking pictures like before the show and then to actually watch it happen the way that it's supposed to is like oh okay because i do the same thing at commentary i don't know everything that's going to happen despite what some people think you don't like to know everything i know some announcers like to know down to the you know the the nth degree if there's a major story that i need to put over then i need to know what that is or if there's a, a finish that has to be a certain way because of this story or that story then then i need to know that stuff but it'll be nothing for me to be sitting at the desk and jimmy blaylock send me a text and say hey you're gonna love this work with me here or something weird like that that means hey I'm about to do something that I don't know if you're going to like it or not, but just roll with just it. Just go with it. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh. Uh, like one time he pulls out a dead possum. <laughs> and I thought it was like stuffed animal or something. It no, was a real thing. It was a, he froze it. He, he found it on the side. And I'm not kidding. This is no, no cap. He literally drove around Mississippi, found a dead possum in the road. Now, he could be lying to me, but this is what he's. And then he froze it. And put it in a Christmas bag and Ho- use Hollywood it Jimmy television. Shirley had an intern or someone do this. I have no idea. <laughs> but when I found out, I didn't know it was real until after the whole thing was over with. That's so gross. And I'm like, what are you doing, Jimmy? <laughs> and that was one of those. He's like, you're going to love this. Uh-huh. Just go with it. Just go with it. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Uh, Jimmy is hilarious on the show. Manager of the year. If that's what you want to call it. He's hilarious. He's one of my favorite parts of the show. He is, and and he's a huge part of the show. If you don't believe it, just watch him and Teddy Long. The people love Teddy Long putting him in his place. And yeah. Jimmy, you notice Jimmy Jimmy knows how to sell. He knows how to put somebody also, over. Also, like, Jimmy is really good at helping along, you know, the people in the stable. Like, I mean, you know, he's, yep. I mean, just, you know, he, he makes... I mean, just what he's done for, you know, like a performer like Diana Taylor being her mouthpiece. Like, I think it really elevates me to to another level. Yeah, for sure. He's uh, he won manager of the year, hands down. And that's no slight to Justin Case or Justin Klein. They're both great on the microphone. But Jimmy Blaylock is just now give the other guys a little bit of time and maybe maybe they'll pull out some some stunts or whatever. So not slighting them, just putting over Jimmy. He's been fantastic for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about what we're going to be doing together. And, you know, our relationship grew from a podcast interview. And then we started talking about doing some shows together, a wrestling con. Nobody some, knows that. Some music and wrestling shows. Nobody knows that. But, uh, and we're still doing all that. We're mm-hmm. doing all those things. But the most recent development is sort of the thing that has taken shape the quickest. And that is this idea that is turned into Memphis Wrestling Plus. Yes. So I have, I guess my question for you is, um, 
because you know we should tell people what it is but uh why why did you decide to to let me do this well because you came to me with a plan and an idea and skills to be able to execute it and then also you're right there's a lot of stuff that we have that we haven't posted or we haven't shared there's a lot of stuff that we can create. There's a lot of stuff that we have access to. There's a lot of skills that we have access to that we can we can use and develop. Yeah, we can. I mean, there's so much out there that you're already making that we can aggregate. Yes. For lack of a better word. And then pair that with content that I can, new content that I can generate. I think, you know, we've really got something. Yes. And like the interviews that are different or different topics or things that we wouldn't necessarily talk about on the television show or something that I wouldn't necessarily talk about on Grind City Wrestling, you know, with the boys or whatnot, because it just doesn't fit. Or on social media, on the, the Memphis Wrestling accounts, you know, if there's, um, let's use this as an example. Like on TV days, we have an 11 o'clock meeting and everybody gathers around and we have a discussion about what we're about to do. And there are photos of things like that. And I'm just using that as an example. Sure. That might not be interesting take, to people. I've taken some of those photos. It might be interesting to some people. Oh, that's what they do. But like something like that, it's not really, it doesn't really fit on the Memphis Wrestling social media. If I put it on my social media, hey, look at me being Mr. Uh, what is it? Memphis, Memphis Vince. Vince. <laughs> yeah, that's all I need, uh, which we should talk about that too. But um it comes from somewhere else. It comes from a place where you're not supposed to see it, right? So if you have Memphis Wrestling Plus, you'll get access to a lot of stuff that you're probably not supposed to see. And and just as a side thing, the Memphis Vince thing was something that the posse came up with on TV to kind of like use, like they're talking about, oh, you think you're Memphis Vince or something like that. And I knew it. I knew it was going to be that people think that I think that I'm Memphis Vince. And so, of course, those... It probably didn't help that you put it on a (laughs) t-shirt. I did not. That was Simon. (laughs) Simon put it on a t-shirt. And when I saw it, I was like, all right, we'll put it on the site. And so, of course, when he made the Memphis Vince, you know, when he first said it, it, the t-shirt popped up there. So, yeah, yeah, you got to jump on the get it when uh, the striking's hot or whatever but yeah just so anybody that's listening i don't call myself memphis vince not casually anyway yeah not casually but (laughs) so going back to memphis wrestling (laughs) plus uh all of this content that we're talking about this sort of behind the scenes exclusive v sort of content is going to take the shape of blog posts like interview features that i that i'll be writing and then also podcasts that we're going to be producing. I'm going to be talking to wrestlers at the Wrestle Center before and after matches on the scene and having uh, both conversations that maybe occasionally dip in and out of um, kayfabe. Yeah, dip in and out of character. Yeah. That reminds me of the I, I was posse. trying not to say character. Yeah, the, the posse are like the... Because the... Some, some people aren't characters per se. Some people are really just amplified versions of themselves. And then other people are, you know, wearing spikes and face paint. Yeah, I was going to say this. The, you're not going to get a real interview out of the posse. They're never I gonna... learned that quickly. <laughs> They're never going to do that. Do you think that I... I mean, will I be able to interview Simon and Chris the people? Or will it just be... They're going to, so their style, they're going to give it to you in character, although they will give you legit answers. So they'll, uh, Simon is is the best at it. I have interviewed the two of them before and I'm, I'm, I'm I'm familiar with, uh, yeah, Simon especially was pretty curmudgeonly. He'll be like, uh, let me do my Simon impersonation. (laughs) Uh, you know, like, uh, you know, Memphis Vince, you know, that's my boy. I've known him forever. And, you know. (laughs) 
he's the best at what he does, but I'll still slap his ass around, you know. I'll still beat him up. Quit, re <laughs> quit reading the dirt sheets. <laughs> oh, you reading those dirt sheets again? Yeah. I'll, st I'll still beat Dustin up. I'll slap him right now. But anyway, you know, like he'll he'll put me over real big, but then yeah, 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 I'll still slap slap tape uh, taste out of his mouth. Oh yeah. <laughs> so an another thing I, I want to mention about Memphis Wrestling Plus are going to be the opportunities for like uh, discounts on merch and t tickets, possibly even early ticket access. That's something we've been talking about also. So it's there are ways that not only. I mean, the content is one thing, but with discounts, the thing might actually sort of pay for itself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, gosh, there's a whole lineup from now until March 26th. You're doing so many that shows. I wanna, that I want to launch. I want everybody to know who's coming on January 15th. I want everybody to know who's coming on March 4th. Uh, or on uh, February 4th, March 5th, March 26th, like the whole first quarter of the year. I want to get that out there. Now, part of me is like, we got to wait so that way we can release the tickets and blah, blah, blah. But also part of me wants it to be like, hey, here's what we got coming up and who's coming from now until the end of March. And with the subscription service, we can kind of leak some of this information oh, yeah. a little bit early. Maybe even have some special interviews beforehand. I would just like to say that if you can't get enough of Memphis wrestling, if the fastest hour in pro wrestling is not enough for you, then you got to get I mean, it's so fast. Plus. It it's, is. It's so fast. So it doesn't even feel like an hour. So, nope. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to bring all kinds of, uh, extended coverage, overtime coverage, if you will, of Memphis wrestling. We're going to really dig in and, and I'm excited. And I wanted to say, uh, sincerely, thank you for giving me this opportunity and also wanted to answer your question. You asked me a few days ago, why I wanted to do this. Yeah, I, I did. I, I was like, I didn't hey. Get, I don't feel like I gave you a great answer. I'm like, hey, what? Uh, why do you want to do this? What and, gives? You know, aside from all business growth and whatever, potential for financial reward, setting all of that aside, you know, I've been in show business since I was like 13 or 14. So, I mean, you can relate to that. Yeah. I've been a wrestling fan since I was, I don't know, like six or seven I love being around a live show and I love being around wrestling and it's an undercovered thing, you know, and because basically because we can't get traditional media to write about this, we're going to, we're going to cover us ourselves. We'll do it ourselves. Yeah. We'll do it live. <laughs> we'll do it live. Actually, we got to know each other a lot by you doing the Daily Memphian story. Yeah. Going around and doing all the wrestling and stuff. So, I mean, there's obviously some sort of love there, especially to put yourself through going to all those shows. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that bad. You make it sound like it was it was torturous or something. Um, <laughs> Maybe was, some of them. It was a lot of fun. And it it's a lot of, you know, I got a lot of perspective um, seeing all the different all the different shows in town, all the different level of production. And also there's, there's a rumor that I want to talk to you about off the air oh that boy. I don't want to forget about. Okay. Don't forget about that. But uh, So we'll probably close there, but um, also I want to say that part of Memphis wrestling plus is going to be an exclusive addition to this podcast, which is going to be a five questions riff, five questions with JD Rieger. Ooh, I love it. And uh, you're going to be the first guest on that too. So uh, nice. we're going to record that here like right now. Oh, I can't wait to do that. So uh, everybody who's uh, listening to this, uh, maybe think about dropping that $6 a month and uh, check out the five questions. Do it. I don't think that you're going to be disappointed at all. I mean, there is so much access 
and so many things that happen. Could you imagine all the photos and videos that we have from behind the scenes at Young Rock? I can't imagine. I, I mean, I know how many photos I take at a Wrestle Center show and how many of those get don't even get used. Right. So I can only imagine. Is that frustrating? Oh, I mean, there are certainly photos that I think, God, why didn't he use that why one? That one's that money. One? There are so many, so many photos and such little social media time. Yeah. I mean, I we do post a lot, too. Don't get me wrong. But sure. It's almost impossible to, to, to get it all covered. But imagine how many training matches that we have can you, that can, have not been seen before. Can you tell who my favorite guys are based on how many pictures I send you of that person? Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Yeah. But also I know from a photographer's <laughs> point of view, these dudes sometimes don't give you a whole lot to work with. You know, yeah. they'll move pretty fast. I think one of the best that we There's see There's a couple is, of guys I, I want to like grab them and just be like, dude, hold those things for like yes. one second longer. Yeah. Like give Mike, Mike Anthony second. though, uh, Mike, for instance, uh, his pauses are perfect. Yeah. I mean, for TV. He moves quick, but he gives you lots of, you know, like he takes lots of pauses. Yeah. The in-betweens. He knows yeah. he's getting that, getting that moment, getting that Sometimes uh, Uncle Mikey is so frenetic, I cannot get him. Yeah. Like he'll be doing something hilarious and then the picture will just be kind of blurry and it's like, oh man. Yeah. But, but watch parties, uh, MUS events, Dave and Buster's Live, 901 Grizz Day Bash, all that stuff that we do that we have just a little bit of coverage on. There's so much stuff that we haven't released and so many awesome events coming up that you will definitely, it's definitely worth the six bucks a month for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Dustin. Yep. Can't wait to do it, man. Let's do it. Thanks for, thanks for being the first guest. Oh yeah. Thank you, man. And you had to get another one of those in. I did. The We Are Memphis Wrestling Podcast is produced by J.D. Rieger for Memphis Wrestling Plus. Our ring announcer is Terrence Ward. Our theme music is High Rise by Glory. For more information and exclusive content, visit memphiswrestlingplus.com.